Tonight we're going to talk about the abundant life. This is something that seems kind of like a catchphrase in Christianity, right? You've, you've heard that a lot. The abundant life this, the abundant life that. You've probably all heard it a million times. I know I had. And as I started looking through a lot of verses on it, it was just totally refreshing. It was amazing to go back through all this stuff and realize what we really have as Christians. It blows my mind. And I, I think I take it for granted way too easily. How many of you guys heard of this guy that just won the Powerball yesterday? $340 million or something like that. When you heard of that, how many of you thought, what would that be like to win $340 million? The thought even go through your head? I admit it went through my head. <laughs> thought that would be pretty crazy, right? You'd, you'd never, ever, for the rest of your life, have to think about money again. You'd be set. But anyway, I thought, man, what a great like huge thing, right? And I think a lot of times if you think of somebody like Bill Gates, doesn't the same thought kind of go through your head? And that guy has it you know, what, like $50 billion? I mean, he's he's the richest guy on the planet. What could he need? And a lot of times, I think even as Christians, it's easy, I don't know if you guys do this, but it's easy for me to think, man, they have it all. You guys ever get into that? Or maybe in school, thinking, the other guy always gets the A's, he ruins the curve, jerk, you know? <laughs> Can't believe that. There, there are guys like that, and, and gals like that, in all my classes, it seemed, in chemistry. They'd always get the A, and all the rest of us would get like 50s, and so and we'd all get really bad grades because they ruined the curve. And so we thought, man, that guy has it all. I think as Christians even, it's, it's, it's easy to get into this worldly mindset of comparing ourselves with other people and thinking, wow, you know, we don't have this abundant life that God talks about. And maybe sometimes we'll, we'll say it really quickly. Yeah, I, I know the abundant life. I have the abundant life. But it's, it seems like in, in our daily living, we lose sight of it and we forget about it. So for me, this was kind of a, of a refresher, kind of a neat thing to go over. And I, I kind of started to think about it. And I started to think, this is the socially elusive abundant life, right? How many people live their entire lives for meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment and never achieve it. Look at Kurt Cobain killing himself after he gets the millions of dollars and the fame and all this, you know, all these riches and all this stuff that everybody would strive their entire lives to get and it means nothing to him and he kills himself. And that's not an atypical story. That is a very typical story, right? It happens over and over again in our society. And so it's very elusive, it seems, and uh, one of the questions that I want you to think about before we get into anything, maybe just in your mind, think about what does the abundant life mean to you? If you could think about that right now, how would you define the abundant life? And uh, kind of get that definition in your head, think about it a little bit, and we're going to talk a lot more about it today. I honestly think that God's offer of the abundant life is better than anything any of you can imagine, and it's better than anything I can imagine. If I could make up the craziest, wildest, most unbelievable story of the greatest life possible. I think God's life that he has for us exceeds that in every way. So I don't think any of us could even imagine what he has in store for us. So right now, after you have that definition in your head, hopefully, let's get into some of it. First of all, I want to note that Jesus himself claimed that this was one of the reasons that he came to earth, was to give us an abundant life. In John 10.10, he said that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. So that is one of the reasons he came, right? One of the main reasons Jesus came. And so as Christians, I really hope that none of us are missing that. None of us are missing what he came to offer us. What does that mean? A life of true meaning and true satisfaction, true fulfillment. It's a big thing. 
In John 4, 13-14, Jesus said that He would give us living water and that whoever drank of that water would never thirst again. Can you imagine living a life where you never, ever, ever again have an unfulfilled longing or desire in your life? And I'm not talking about petty things like you want a cinnamon roll and you don't get one. I'm talking about real life meaning and satisfaction. The yearnings of your heart never again being unsatisfied. That's what Jesus came for. That's part of what he came for. Uh, it's a huge thing. In Isaiah 55, it says, Come if you're thirsty, right? And drink water and you'll never be thirsty again. And eat a food that you'll never hunger again. And it said, It's free right there in Isaiah. So you can't buy this. It says, why spend your money on food that doesn't satisfy? And I think a lot of us in this society do that. We spend our energy, our, our abilities, our talents that God's given us searching for meaning in areas that it doesn't exist. Literally, those things don't satisfy. It's a small thing. Jesus says he really does satisfy the desires of our hearts. Now, there's a prerequisite to that abundant life. And we're going to go into what the abundant life is and a lot of details of it, but what's the prerequisite? The number one thing that comes before the, the abundant life that Christ offers is Christ. We don't get to experience the abundant life He offers until we have Him in our life. And Jesus, plain and simple, said that He came and He lived and He died on this planet to pay for our sins so that we could have a relationship with Him. He came to offer us eternal life. And until we've accepted what He did, until we've accepted His free gift of salvation, we can't experience the abundant life He has for us. So the first thing that He gives us is eternal life with Him in heaven. And after that comes this abundant life on this planet with Him. So I would challenge all of you in here, if there are any of you that haven't ever made a decision to let Jesus Christ come into your life and to be your Savior and your Lord, that's a free gift of salvation that He offers. It's not anything that you can work for. That is the first step in experiencing all that He has for you on this planet. And it's kind of neat that right off the bat you get eternity with Him. And then the abundant life on earth comes second. So it's a neat thing. But basically, it starts with accepting Jesus into our life. Once we've done that, He unloads on us. And I wanted to kind of start out with, with the character of God. God is love, right? God is love. That's His character. And everything about the abundant life comes out of that characteristic of God. The definition for love, Eli's definition, which I'll use probably till the day I die, is unselfishly choosing for another's highest good. I think that's it. That's what God does with us. When, when the Bible tells us God loves us, it means He unselfishly chooses for our good over even His own. So all these characteristics of the abundant life that we get to experience on this earth are really God putting our good first and foremost in His agenda. That's an amazing thought. Can you imagine the God of the universe looking at you and saying, I want your good over mine even. That's huge. And that's where all this abundant life comes from. And so the God of the universe is orchestrating your life the way He sees it best. So the number one thing I think that the abundant life consists of is the fact that you are loved and accepted by God. In Jeremiah 31.3, God says that He's loved you with an everlasting love. That means even before you existed, He loved you. Right now, He loves you. For the rest of eternity, He will love you. Nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing you can think could ever change how much He loves you. So He loves you and He accepts you. 
Romans 8, 38 through 39 says that nothing on this planet, nor anything that's ever been created, can separate you from God's love. So his love is, is, is grasping you, and nothing can separate you from that love. It's all-encompassing. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus himself promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So he loves you and accepts you unconditionally and will never leave you nor forsake you. That's, I think, the foundation for the abundant life is that we have God's love and acceptance completely and unconditionally. The next thing would be uh, that we're loved and accepted by others. I mean, it's great to be loved by God, but what if everybody else hated you? God promises us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 that he's made us a part, a vital part of his body. And that once we accept him, he puts us in a body of believers where we can have fellowship and we can have true friendship. And he promises us that we will be truly loved and accepted by other people in the body. So we have love and acceptance from God. And we have love and acceptance from other people. And the love and acceptance that we experience from others isn't always perfect. But very often it can be the same kind of love and acceptance that we experience from God where other people put our good above their own. Is that kind of a neat thing? Have any of you guys ever had that happen to you, where somebody put your good above their own? That is amazing. And that's what God said would characterize His body. John 13, 35, right? So we are loved and accepted by God. We're loved and accepted by other people that are part of His body. We have peace with God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say that by grace we have, we've been saved. And it's not by our works. Nothing you can do can earn your salvation. He says He's given it to you as a free gift that you can't work for. So as soon as you receive Christ, you have a free gift of salvation. And the result of that is that you have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says that we have peace with God because of His grace. That's a huge aspect of the abundant life, is that we have peace in our life. We have peace with God, specifically. That's a major issue. People all over this planet are striving to gain peace with God, right? They're doing good work, sending money to Katrina victims. That's all good stuff. Probably a million other things. You hear stories of people hiking mountains on their knees and, and I don't know, mutilating themselves and all these things to try and earn peace with God. And here God says, there's nothing you can do for it. It's a free gift. You can have peace with me. And I think that's a burden that gets lifted right off of us, right? When we can have peace with God. I think I take that for granted so often. I walk around and I, I take this peace that I have with God for complete granted. Like, it, like it's not that big of a deal. Have you ever done that? Where you kind of just walk around day to day and you don't even consider it a big deal that you have peace with God? Some, I mean, the point that I can go through a whole day and barely spend five minutes in prayer without, if I don't consciously sit down and think about it, it scares me, right? It means I just cheapen so much the peace that God's given me with him that I can just approach him and talk to him as a friend at any time. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing uh, aspect of the abundant life is that peace that we can have with God. That we can have that peace not based on our performance, but on Christ's perfect performance. I'm not going to be perfect in this life. Well, that's okay. My peace with God doesn't depend on my perfection. Uh, Romans 8.1 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's peace. Being able to say, I'm in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for me. Because He is everything. I have chosen to put my faith in Him. So we have peace with God. We have continued forgiveness. In 1 John 1.9, it says that God forgives us continually. It says that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Not just some unrighteousness, 
but every single bit of unrighteousness. He cleanses us of it. And He gives us complete fellowship with God, complete forgiveness of every sin. So He continually forgives us. He patiently develops us at our own pace. I think that's a huge thing. I don't have to stress out about my spiritual growth. I can just trust God with it. That in this life, He's working on me. He's going to be patient with me. He's going to develop me in the right timing. I don't have to stress. I can leave it to Him. Philippians 1.6 says that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So, the burden rests on Him for your growth. It's not you. I think it was Benjamin Franklin wrote a list of character qualities that he wanted to achieve in his lifetime. And he came to the conclusion that he'd never be able to achieve those things, no matter how hard he tried. And I think it's the same way in our lives. We can't do it. But when we simply let Christ work in us, he does it at his rate. He patiently develops us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. The author writes how many pages in the book? Every single one of them, right? So whatever page you're on today, whatever page you're on tomorrow, whatever page you were on yesterday, he's the one that's writing that page. Isn't that a cool thought? You can trust him. You can be, you can, it's again, very peaceful. He's patiently developing you and he's not rushing you through this process. That produces another quality, I think, of the abundant life, which is freedom. In Galatians 5.1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ says free. So don't be enslaved again to a yoke of bondage or slavery. How many of you guys have, have lived your life at times enslaved or in bondage to some issue? Or enslaved or in bondage to some idea or to some um, way of thinking? And Jesus says he wants to set you free from that. It's for freedom that he has set you free. The conditions aren't over you anymore. He has set you free. He is the one that's developing you. He is the one that's changing you into a person after his own character. So the burden is on him. You have true freedom now. You don't have to sin. You don't have to live your life in fear of other people, what they will think or what they will do. You don't have to live your life in this performance acceptance type of relationship with other people and with God. You have freedom from all those things. That's part of the abundant life is that we can have freedom. One of the things that he does for us is in, in kind of in line with this whole freedom issue. He removes our heavy burdens. How many of you guys have ever had a heavy burden, would you say? Something that was just burdening you. Uh, maybe right before a final that you haven't studied for, you might feel a little bit like that. <laughs> okay? But maybe, I think, very often, it's a much bigger issue, right? He removes our heavy burdens. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 through 30, that he takes our heavy burdens and he replaces them with his light burden or a light yoke. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so you can imagine being locked by your neck. It's this big burden that's on you. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And I think it's kind of a neat picture of being yoked to whatever issues you're yoked to with Christ. You have Christ right here walking through it with you. You're together in it. And he's pulling a lot more of the weight than you are. Philippians 4.13 says that you can do everything through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. And that's the issue. His burden is light because he's helping you carry it. Whatever you're going through, he is helping you shoulder that. So his burden is easy and his yoke is light. He satisfies your desires. How cool is that? Now honestly, all those things so far I think are pretty cool. 
that he helps us grow and he helps us this and he gives us peace with himself. Those are neat things. But on top of that, right, on top of all those things, he satisfies our desires. Psalms 37.4 says he gives you the desires of your heart. That's amazing. My entire life, I wanted a, a successful marriage. And I had never really seen a good example of a successful marriage. And I honestly came to a point in my life where I thought that was not possible. And I remember I was on a, on a two-month missions trip to Nepal, and I was out jogging in some village in, uh, in the jungle region of Nepal in Chitwan. And I was thinking to myself, and I thought, I am never in my life going to get married. I'm going to be a solo bachelor missionary till the day I die. That was a thought that was in my head. And I remember Eli's laughing over here. Eli, Eli, bat, yeah, never mind. Anyway, I'll just leave that thought. I won't follow that funny trail. I was thinking that to myself, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, that, man, if that's the way you think about marriage, you know, and that's something that God created. And I, I, God gave me this desire to have a, a great marriage, and he fulfilled that. He gave me Aaron, the most amazing wife that's ever lived. And I don't say that just because I'm in front of you guys. She really is. And in more areas than I can imagine, he's satisfied every desire I've ever had. I've been noticing lately, it's just, I feel like the most blessed person on this planet. Everything I've ever wanted to do in life, he's allowed me to do. He's allowed me to travel all across this entire planet. He is so good to us. He satisfies the desires of our heart as we let him be in control. He really does that. That doesn't mean our life is perfect. I'll get into that more in a minute, but he does satisfy the desires of our heart. He gives us a meaning and a purpose and a destiny in life. How many of you have ever woke up in the morning and said, man, I hope I live an unproductive, meaningless, and unfulfilling life? Any of you? None of you? Gosh, neither have I. I think all of us have this natural tendency to want to live a meaningful life, right? Don't you, don't you have something at least in your life that you'd like to be the best in the world at? Any of you guys? Don't you have something, some desire that just, you, you hope that when you die, everybody will say, man, that person was good at that, that one thing? I think all of us have a desire to have a meaningful, purposeful life. And God promises us that. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says that he has plans to prosper us, to give us a future and a hope. Right? He says he has good plans for us. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that he's already planned good works beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's kind of like you look at your day planner and you go, what do I have in my schedule today? And God has something planned at 3, at 4, at 5. And those are the plans that contribute to a meaningful life that he has already planned for you on this planet. And it all goes back to him being in charge. I think if any of you in this room, including me, could imagine or see all that God has planned for your life right now, you'd be like, that's impossible. I could never do that. So the cool thing is, is he empowers us to accomplish what he's called us to. Not only does he have a plan for our life, but then he empowers us to do it. He makes it possible. Colossians 1.29 talks about how his energy works mightily in us. So he's working in us mightily to accomplish the plans that he has for us. So he has a meaningful life plan for you, and then he gives you every bit of energy you need to accomplish it. He meets your deepest longings. In John 6.35, again, Jesus says that whoever believes in him will never hunger or thirst again. He meets those deepest longings that you'll ever have. He blesses you more than you can imagine. Ephesians 1.3 says that 
in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. How many blessings are left out of that? Any? He blesses you with every spiritual blessing. Can you imagine walking around every day going, man, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's pretty, that'd be a pretty amazing way to live. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that when your car breaks down or when you get a bad grade on your test. But to know that regardless of my circumstances, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. God is not holding back anything from me. He's blessing me completely. That's an amazing thing. He gives us good gifts. Matthew 7.11, Jesus says, If you as human earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give good gifts to his children? We're his children. He promises that he's going to give you good gifts. So not only do you get every spiritual blessing, but you also are given good gifts. God's good gifts. Those are a lot bigger than any good gifts I can think of. They're not a gift certificate to Wendy's. That'd be cool, but God's gifts are huge. God's gifts are huge, and they're good. And as his child, you get those good gifts. James 1.17 says that God is the source of every good thing, of every good gift. He's the father of those good gifts. He's the one that gives them to us. So, he gives us good gifts. He gives us true hope, joy, and peace. True hope, true joy, true peace. Romans 15.13 says that he makes us overflow with hope. Can you imagine walking around overflowing with hope? And look at most people that you pass on a daily basis, and they might have enough hope possibly to get them through this day or maybe this week. Every Friday when I was a freshman, I would hear somebody, overhear somebody say, what are you going to do this weekend? I'm going to go get plastered. How much hope is there in that? The only thing I have to look forward to is getting myself into a state of mind where I can't think of anything. There's no hope. There's absolutely no hope whatsoever. And God says as his children, he wants us to be overflowing with hope. There's so much hope you can't even contain it all inside you. It's overflowing out of you. That's a lot of hope. Uh, now when you think of everything else we've talked about, peace with God, love and acceptance from God, love and acceptance from other, every spiritual blessing, on and on and on and on, that's a lot to hope for, right? You have a lot of hope from all those things. So at, we do overflow with hope. Philippians 4, 11-13 says that we can have joy regardless of circumstances. Paul said that he's learned to be content no matter what the circumstances. As Christians, you as God's children, you can have joy regardless of the circumstances that you're in. That's amazing. See, happiness depends on circumstances. Will, you got your bike stolen a couple weeks ago. Yeah. After that, that <laughs> after that happened, were you were you like, woohoo, my bike got stolen? Well, it was weird. First, there was something in my head that was just like, don't get down. But yeah. Yeah. See, happiness is connected to circumstances, right? The guy that won the three hundred forty million yesterday, he's probably really happy right now. <laughs> okay, because happiness is related to circumstances. That doesn't make happiness bad fine to be happy. I was really happy when I shot my elk uh, two days ago. <laughs> Happiness is related to circumstances, but God gives us true joy that goes beyond circumstances, where regardless of what circumstance you're in, there can be joy, knowing that God gives you hope, and that God will work the situation out. So true joy that goes beyond circumstances. Philippians 4.7 says that he gives you peace that defies or surpasses understanding. Imagine that, having peace in life that, that surpasses understanding. That's a part of the abundant life. How many of you ever get stressed out? I do. 
that is not a characteristic of the abundant life, <laughs> I'd have to say. I get stressed out all the time, but God says he wants us to have peace that passes or surpasses understanding. And it all goes back to, what's he doing? He's blessing me with every spiritual blessing. He's giving me every good gift. No matter what situation I'm in, I can have peace in that. I can understand he's in control, and that can give me peace, regardless of the circumstance. Again, so we have hope, joy, and peace overflowing regardless of the circumstances. That's huge. And I guarantee those three things, if you ask the majority of your friends on this campus, do you feel like you're overflowing with hope, joy, and peace? They'd probably say no. But as God's child, he wants you to have those things. Those are part of the abundant life. Going a little further, he meets all your needs. How cool is that? How many of you ever have needs? Yes, I do. All of us do. Well, he says that he meets all of our needs. Second Peter 1.3 says that he's already given us everything you need for life and godliness. So what does that exclude? What is not in everything you need for life and godliness? Is there anything that's not in that? Nothing, right? He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Now, as a Christian, you get to learn to walk in what he's already given you. You don't have to live a life of expectation, hoping that maybe God will meet that need later on down the road. He's already met it. And you get to walk in that. Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply all of our needs. Every single need. That includes financial, health, other needs, right? All those needs that we have on a regular basis. Those are all included in all your needs. Now, a note here would be that he supplies all of our needs according to his superior knowledge of what we need. Sometimes my dog thinks she needs the Hershey's bar that I'm eating, but I know that chocolate isn't good for it, and so I don't give it that. Sometimes as humans, we think we need things we really don't need, and then we pray, God, give me this Corvette, and he doesn't do it. And we say, well, gosh, he's a jerk. You know, he didn't even give me that Corvette I wanted. Well, God knows what you need. So he will supply every single need. In fact, he already has supplied every single need that you have. But it's according to his superior knowledge of what your needs are that he supplies those needs. So recognize that sometimes you may feel like you have a need and that that need does not get met. And in reality, God is working to meet the need that really is there. Sometimes you will go through financial hardship just so that God can work some character trait into you that you need a lot more than just to get a bill paid at a certain time. I think as you think through all these things, it doesn't mean that life is never going to be difficult. Life will be difficult at times with that in mind, right? The Bible promises us that life will be difficult. Jesus promised us that as his children, the world would hate you. That doesn't sound fun, right? It sounds a lot less fun than winning the Powerball. The Bible says that whoever wants to live a godly life on this planet will be persecuted for it. That does not sound exciting. So there are going to be difficulties in this life. The Bible promises us that. Getting a bike stolen, that's a difficulty, that's a hardship. But get this, do those things contradict the abundant life that God has for us? Not at all. This is, this is what blows my mind. So all those other things that I've gone through are aspects of the abundant life that God has for us. But then even more, even in our troubles, even in our difficulties, there's abundance. There's an abundant life even in those things. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, it says that God comforts us in hardship and trouble. So in the midst of those difficulties, He comforts us. 
fact, he says he's put his Holy Spirit in us to be our comforter. It's one of the things he does. So he comforts us in our troubles. In Matthew 5, 4, the Bible tells us that God comforts those who mourn. I guarantee in your lifetime you will have a loved one die. That will happen. And you will mourn because of it. And that's not an unbiblical thing to be sad for somebody that, that you've lost. But in that time of mourning, God says he will comfort you in it. John 11.35, Jesus wept. Even Jesus mourned for a friend that had died. And he's been through everything we've been through. And he's going to comfort us in every single hardship, in every single uh, sadness, in every single difficulty that we ever face. He will comfort us in it. That gives me a lot of peace, to know that he will comfort me in all those things. He not only comforts us in those troubles and hardships, but he develops and refines us through those trials. How many of you want to live the rest of your life and die no more developed than you are at this point in your life? Probably none of you, right? You want to develop in your character. You want to become more like Christ. You want to become a better person throughout your time on this planet, don't you? Isn't that true? Now, part of that process involves hardship and trouble. But God promises us that he will use those hardships and troubles to develop us into the person that he wants us to be. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Because it says that when we face those trials, it produces perseverance. And it goes on to say that it makes us complete. It develops our character as we go through those trials. Another thing Eli used to say, see, Eli is just, he's been a very close friend and a profound uh, Gosh, he's just invested a lot in my life. And one of the things that, that he always liked to say is you can get bitter or better. And I think that's true. In all of our lives, when we face hardships, we can get bitter about it or we can let God refine us and develop us through it. So when we face those hardships, he's refining and developing us. And this is kind of the verse that sums up all the hardship issue for me. It's Romans 8.28 says he works everything for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So whatever situation you're in, he is working that situation for your good. Sounds too good to be true, but it is true. If you love him, if you're his child, he's working every single hardship, every difficulty, every hard circumstance that he's working it around for your good. You might not see how it's possible that it could ever be worked out for your good, but it will be because he's working it out for your good. That's just scratching the surface of what the abundant life is. To me, it sounds too good to be true almost, but it really is true. Now, why don't many people in general, but maybe more specifically, why don't many Christians ever experience this abundant life that Christ is talking about? Honestly, between yourself and God, you don't have to raise your hands. Do you feel like you've experienced all these characteristics of the abundant life 100%? I don't. A lot of us haven't. Now, God wants those for us, so why aren't we experiencing them? Jeremiah 2.13 says that we've forsaken the living water that God has offered, and we've dug cisterns of our own that don't even hold water. That kind of a, it's kind of an analogy for what we've done in this life. We've said, you know, God, you give me this, but I'm going to choose to watch TV 14 hours a day. And we've all done things like that. We've all chosen to dig cisterns that do not satisfy us, that don't even hold water. They're empty. They don't satisfy any of the deepest longings in my heart. And so we've chosen to, to live our life for the five C's. Cash, cars, careers, condos, cuties. And then there's a fifth C. Rob, what is it? You know it. 
Computers? Computers, yes. The new or the sixth C. So the sixth C would be computers. So cash cars, careers, condos, cuties, and computers. Right? Anyway, I thought Rob would like that. So a lot of times we live our life for those things and trying to obtain satisfaction from those things. And the Bible tells us those things will not satisfy you. They're empty cisterns that don't even hold water. They do not satisfy. Only Jesus can provide the abundant life. Only He can satisfy you and meet the deepest longings of your heart. So, how to experience the abundant life? There are a few different ways that I think that we can experience this in greater depth as Christians. The first one is 1 John 1.9. We need to confess all known sin. Because sin, in my life, prevents me from experiencing all that God has for me. Is that Have you guys found that to be the case? Psalms 32, 3-5 says that sin destroys us. It says that when, when we regard sin and we don't confess it to God and we keep it inside, it says that it destroys us. It even rots our bones. The sin, if I keep it inside and don't get it out and just give it to God, it will eat me up. How many of you have, have ever done that where you kind of held on to something and it just felt like it was going to eat you up until you almost died? right? And then you gave it to God and it's like... Release, peace, freedom. You experience those characteristics, the abundant life. So don't let there be any unconfessed sin in your life that you know about. When God reminds you of something, just freely, right then and there, God, forgive me for that thing. Because that is one of the first steps to experiencing the abundant life that God has for us. Ephesians 5.18 says to be filled with His Spirit, which is by faith, every day we can choose to let Him empower and direct us. Jesus said that His Spirit that He puts inside of every Christian is the source for true living water that we could have in us and never thirst again. And so we can choose every day to let Him be the source of that living water or to find other cisterns that don't satisfy. We need to walk closely in fellowship with Him on a daily basis. That is a key to experiencing the abundant life as a Christian. If Jesus is the source of the abundant life, and the way I experience the abundant life is to spend time with Jesus. If you're thirsty, you've got to spend time around water and at least drink it. So what are some ways that we can spend time in fellowship with God? Be grounded in His Word. Psalms 119.105 says that His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So as we get in His Word on a daily basis, it illuminates our life path. This abundant life that He's planned for us, the plans and meaning and all these things that He has planned for your life, those are illuminated through His Word. So spend time in His Word on a daily basis. It is the guidebook to the abundant life. It is the directions to the abundant life. Be devoted to talking to Him. We get in His Word and we hear a lot of what He has to say, but we also need to be talking with God or praying. Philippians 4, 6 tells us basically to pray in everything, in every situation. Prayer is a vital part of fellowship in your walk with God. So a final thing that I would say is vital for experiencing the abundant life is Hebrews 10, 24-25, which talks about fellowshipping with other Christians, what we're doing here, spending time with other Christians in relationship with them, because that is a part of what God has called us to on this planet. That's a part of the abundant life that He has to offer. Your friends are going to help develop you. They're going to help challenge you. They're going to help keep you accountable. They're going to love you. They're going to help make the abundant life in Christ possible. So stay committed to strong fellowship. In summary, I don't know about you guys, but I feel more fortunate than Bill Gates. And I say that honestly. I know that probably Bill Gates, when he goes to sleep at night, does not have overflowing hope, peace, and joy. 
he probably does not have, and I don't know the guy, I can't judge him, but he probably doesn't have peace with God. He probably he could have those things, but he probably doesn't. And as God's children, we have those things every day. And I think that makes us a lot more fortunate than the richest guy on this planet, whoever that might be. This life that God has to offer seems too good to be true. If you went and told your average person on the street all those things that I talked about, and said, you think that kind of life on this planet would be possible? Probably 9 out of 10 would say, no way. I don't know what I'd have to do to obtain that life, but it's probably not even a reality. They'd probably say, you're crazy if you think you could have all that in this life. And God says, that is what I came for, is to give you all that in life. One of the reasons I came for. Something that I think is amazing is we talked about a lot of great things, but that's just scratching the surface. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 is amazing. It says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and it says that no mind has even comprehended or imagined all that God has in store for those who love Him. So as much as we could get into all this stuff and think through, God wants to give us this and that and who knows what else, it says we can't even begin to comprehend all He has for those who love Him. And that's the true abundant life that God has to offer us. It's really amazing. And when we're done here on this planet, we have heaven to look forward to. So that's just on this earth. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus. Have you received that free gift of salvation? If you haven't tonight, I challenge you to ask the person that you came with how you can do that, because that's where it all starts. And if you do have a relationship with Jesus, but aren't experiencing the abundant life to the fullest extent that God intends it to be experienced, remember that that's what God wants for you, he wants that abundant life for you. So if you're not experiencing it, don't believe the lie that He doesn't want it for you. He does want it for you. Begin walking daily in fellowship with Him and in close fellowship with Him. Start with a simple quiet time in the morning. Just whatever amount of time you can fit into your schedule to wake up and spend time with Him on a daily basis. That will be a good first step to experiencing all that God has for you in this, in this life. Everything we talked about is a big promise. I don't think if you honestly consider what promises you've gotten from the TV, from your professors, from your, from your parents, from your government, from any source in your entire life, I don't think any of it would match up to half of what God has to offer you. I mean, He just blows it all out of the water. So uh, take Him up on it. Check it out. Because He really will provide the most abundant life that you've ever imagined.